Rachel Poli here with Ari Meglin and our special guest, Wilmar Luna, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We're on episode 58, and this week's question is, how do you deal with one-star reviews? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. Now, please help me welcome author Wilmar Luna to the show. Wilmar, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast. Hi, everybody. It's really nice to finally meet you because Ari has talked about you. So it's good to have a face to the name at this point. Awful things, just awful things. Just like completely how awful Oh, totally, you are yeah. This is a fake smile right now. I hope I live up to it <laughs> and all my villainy. I actually, I actually think you were the first person to who I met on my blog. I think you were I, the first person to reach out to me. I think you were posting uh, writing tutorials on DeviantArt. Yes. And then I was <laughs> like, so long ago. "Where's the book?" <laughs> Where's the book? I want to read it. You you have all this great writing advice, and I want to read the book. <laughs> ah, years later, out. still no book. Still so, no book. So it's coming. Bad. It's coming. <laughs> it is eventually. <laughs> I mean, wow, you got yeah. two short stories, so I mean, that's still you know that, that's yeah. progress. That that is yeah, because that wasn't anything I was expecting to do. But yeah, it uh, it is quite embarrassing that it's been. I think I started the blog in two thousand thirteen. DeviantArt was earlier than that, yes. so still and still not got anything sorted. And yeah, you did. You sent me a message saying, "Where is the book? Why have you not yes. got the book yet?" <laughs> I, I do still have that as kind of a reminder to do it, and I'm just <laughs> obviously you have it's not printed working. out. Have it on my. Um, I have a little lit a fold, a folder on my desktop where people have like asked and inquired. It kind of made me think, oh look, someone's interested. I have like a couple of them in there. Um, yeah, it's done nothing. To finish. <laughs> it's hard. It's very hard, especially with uh, with everything going on with COVID. It's difficult to muster the willpower to be like, all right, let me sit down and write something. When you're like, Ugh, I've been home all day. Well, speaking of writing, uh, Wilmar, why don't you tell us a little bit about your writing background? Like what genre do you write and how many books have you written? All right. So, um, you know, technically it's supposed to be science fiction because I write superhero books, but superhero books don't really have what I found is a definable genre because they can be in so many, you know, different, different genres, I guess. I'm not really sure how to word it. Um, so I guess I would consider it more fantasy um, than science fiction because the last time I tried to do like science fiction, all the science fiction readers were like, ah, what the heck is this book? This is not a, this is not a sci-fi. This is more of a fantasy, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we'll just keep it as a fantasy or something like that. Um, I technically have three books, but the first two I'm uh, trying to delete from existence because, you know, it was, it was my beginning writing. So the writing style was really, you know, uh, underdeveloped. I didn't really have a voice yet. I was trying too hard to sound like an author by having all this purple prose where it's like, oh, the bees buzzing around the blah, blah, blah. And it didn't really help to uh, actually tell the story. It was more like, you know, you're trying your hardest to sound like a writer, but you're not really a writer yet. So, um the, so the, technically the first official book is The Silver Ninja, A Bitter Winter, um, and the other two, you know, once, once I have the rest of the series written out, the other two are going to be, you know, 
uh, put in the vault, so to speak. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> I think we, we've all been there where we have that one piece of writing or earlier writing where we just think it's the best thing ever. And then we put it out there. And then after a little while, we're like, oh, that's pretty cringeworthy. <laughs> yes. Cringe. 100% cringe. It's so bad. <laughs> I am surprised that people have said that your your story isn't sci-fi because I, I almost feel like superhero is a genre on its own now. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of, to me, sci-fi is usually when there's a bit of futuristicness, technology, that's usually, and, and yours has that. So right. I, I tell you, there's always someone who has to have a whinge about something, isn't there? <laughs> Yeah, I think my mistake was that I may have accidentally put it, uh, categorized it as high sci-fi or something like that. Like the, uh, um, I'm not sure because I haven't really read too many books about it, but it's one of those that has like super technical sci-fi stuff. Like you've got authors explaining quantum physics and all this stuff. And I may have accidentally done that with my first book. And then the readers came in and were like, this isn't hard sci-fi. What, you, what is this? I don't understand. I don't, I'm like, okay, relax, dude. <laughs> It was an accident. <laughs> I, was I mean, still that's learning. the whole conversation in and of itself is trying to categorize your novels. Yes, there's it's very too, difficult. There's way too many like genres and subgenres, and it's really hard to just pinpoint one or even just a handful of them. Right, and then you got like you know your your young adults, and you got your urban contemporary, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, where does it actually fit? Because it's it covers such a breadth of topics that it's hard to just say, well, it's only sci fi, you know, if it was just about um, the character's suit, you know, because she has a nano suit, then I could see it being sci fi. But I'm always covering other things like, you know, things going on politically and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I think I think sometimes it gets a little bit too intense where it can like, it's like oh, it fits under 15 categories. And it's yes. Like... <laughs> Book. It's just a book. That's it. <laughs> One umbrella term. Book fiction. Done. So why don't we get into this week's topic from someone who I'm sure has never, ever had a one-star review on your books. We're going to be talking about dealing with those dreaded one-star book reviews. So Wilmar, do you think authors should read their reviews in general? Um. If you're planning on making a writing career and you want to be an author, then yes, you better get your butt ready to accept some one-star reviews. Um, you know, when I first started, I was like, oh, this is the greatest book in the world. Let me, I'm going to get nothing but five-star reviews. This is my masterpiece, blah, 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 blah. And once those one-star reviews came in, uh, you bet that I had a taste of humble pie. It was um, it was brutal and it hurt your, my feelings. But at some point, you have to learn that you can't please everybody with your writing. And the reviews eventually become a way to learn how to improve. So if I hadn't read those criticisms or critiques or all the points that those readers had pointed out, and they were technically within my genre, I would not have gone back to improve my own writing and see where my weaknesses were. Like, was I trying too hard with my prose or were the characters too two-dimensional and we didn't have a proper motivation 
or were we lacking agency? Like all those critiques at the end of the day, they're going to help you to become a stronger writer. But if you're going to just sit in a corner and cry all day about it, you need to reconsider whether you're going to be an author as a career because it's, it's going to happen. People are going to leave one star reviews because that's how, that's how your work came across to them. And that's how they interpreted to them. And there's nothing wrong with that, but um yeah, 100%. You you should read the reviews and ignore the ones that have specifically reviews that say this author is a blah, 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 or anything like that. Just ignore it. Or if the reader was in the wrong genres where they're like, you know, I, I like uh, romance and this book didn't do any of that. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you're a fantasy author and the romance reader was reading your work and they didn't like it, well you know, that's another review I can probably ignore. So, you know, there's certain reviews you can ignore, but for the most part, you should definitely look for nuggets of wisdom in each one. I couldn't have said that better myself because it really is a learning experience, regardless of whether you have a one-star review or even a five-star review. It is a learning experience where you can see your, your flaws and you can see your strengths of your writing. And as you said, you, you really can't please everybody because there's no, I think I've said this in a previous episode at some point, but there's no two readers read the same book. Right. So it's like, you could be, and, and even you yourself, like as a writer, you interpret your book one way and then you give it to somebody else and you're like, Hey, yeah, that's a good joke. And they're like, no, no, that wasn't <laughs> funny it. at all. <laughs> But it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. They just didn't have the same like thought process as you did. Right. Yeah, I had this one uh, beta reader who loved superheroes, watched like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was always talking to me about superheroes. I'm like, oh, this is my target demographic. And then uh, I gave it to him thinking, all right, well, you know, clearly this is a reader that's right, right in where it's supposed to be. He's like, nah, I didn't. I didn't like this. This character is so da da da. She's such a pain in the butt. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? I, I don't understand. Why are you being so? This is like, this is supposed to be right up your alley. You watch Batwoman for Christ's sakes. You're going to tell me that this. I know. Yes, I know. You're going to tell me that I have a problem with my writing? No, 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 no. If you watch Batwoman, your, your opinion is null and void, my friend. Sorry. <laughs> It's like what you said, you get like some like romance reader going, oh yeah, there wasn't any romance in. It's like, was it listed as a romance? Did it say romance anywhere? If we said romantic plot with this character and this character as they, you know, waft through the story, then you can get pissed. But if, if it's literally, you know, sci-fi, technology, futurism, you know, crime, and you're going, there's no romance. It's like, you don't, you shouldn't be allowed on these review sites, putting your yes. crap out there. Exactly. If the blurb doesn't say there's going to be any spicy romance, don't expect it to be in there. I know. They just, they do seem to love like latching on to, to things. It's like if I picked a book and I mistakenly thought it had something and then I went back and was like, oh yeah, it didn't say that. Or, you know, I didn't realize it was YA. I wouldn't go on and then criticize it going, oh, it was YA and I hate YA. It's like, why would you waste your time bitching about that? But right. it's your fault. Like right. people have nothing better to do with their time. They just go in and be like, all right, let me just write this nasty review and uh, move on with my life. I'm like, okay. 
Thanks. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. You see some reviews and they'll explain why they didn't like the book, whether their reasoning is like normal or not. But then you have those other one star reviews where it's just like, this book sucks. And that's it. And it's like, well, why? <laughs> Could you elaborate yeah. a little bit? Like, what didn't you like about it? Or are you just being a troll? <laughs> it's like, you gotta, you gotta differentiate between those kinds of people. Right. And, it's and I did do, annoying. I did technically do the cardinal sin of responding to all of my one-star reviews, but <laughs> I have a method that has actually worked for me. And I'm, I think I'm currently one of the very few authors that have pulled it off where basically I, I went on Goodreads and I went to the super nasty reviews and I basically said, I'm so sorry. You have a very valid point here that I didn't think about. This is something that I missed in the editing process. Thank you for pointing it out to me. I'll see if I can improve my writing in the future. And the reviewers were so taken aback that they were like, um, you're, you're welcome. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I kind of gave you such a negative review. I, I didn't realize, you know, you were going to be so humble about it. And I was like, and secretly, I'm like, you son of a, I should have. <laughs> but on the, in the surface, we're like, no, no, of course. Yeah, your feedback's great. I'm going to kill you one of these days. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> so um, there is a way to respond to one-star reviews. It's just a matter of accepting their criticism, um, seeing you know where you were deficient and being like, thank you for pointing that out. I'll try to improve my writing in the future and leave it at that. And that's it. The end. I think that's great. Especially because I think if, if I put a, 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 a negative review up and then an author came back to me and said, valid point, I'll definitely look into that. I would be, instead of going, Oh, never read anything of those. I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to keep an eye on them. Right. It automatically would make me think I'm going to check them out again. Cause obviously they're willing to change. Well, yeah. obviously knowing that they were stewing. <laughs> yes, Secret, secretly stewing, but outwardly smiling. I just love that. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, there's like a few. Killing them with kindness. Yes, yeah. there's yeah. there's a there's been a few in the first book where I've I've written you know just positive responses to people, and they've all been like, oh, um, all right, I didn't mean it that harshly. Um, keep on learning. And, uh, you know, good luck. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'll take it. Huh, yeah. Interesting. Only time I've ever heard where that's actually worked. I haven't heard any authors say they've had similar experiences. So I don't know if I'm a pioneer or if I just don't hear those stories. I don't think most people would even think of doing that. Because obviously you have to calm down after reading a one-star review. Yes. You know, because I have right. a business. So I have had the odd like, lower review from someone who either didn't read the description didn't check mm -hmm. the measurement, you know, when there's a ruler there showing them. And you have to go, but you have to like, hi, thanks for your review. I appreciate you taking the time to say something nasty. <laughs> you know, so you, I always take like a long time before I go back because you have to calm down. But I have to admit, if, I, if I'd have been, if I'd have got a negative view on a book, I don't even think it would have crossed my mind to respond. Mm. it depends it depends on the review if it's something like uh super in-depth that goes into key points that you agree with or things like that then i'm like okay you got valid points but for other people are like this book sucks well 
I ignore that. You know, I'm not really. Oh, it gonna, sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's just going to be a troll review. So I'm like, wow, I'm not really going to give that any weight. I don't really care. With that being said, then, what advice do you have for an author who has received a one star review on their book? Well, like you said, the first thing you have to do is calm down, take a deep breath, go find a corner and go cry a little bit. And once you get yourself together and you compose yourself, you got to remember this important lesson that I keep trying to tell every other author that keeps on asking me for reviews. And when I give them a three-star review or less, they're like, hey, can you remove the review? No, 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 no. This is not what we're doing as authors. As authors, we need to learn to accept criticism and negative reviews. A one-star review, a two-star review, a three-star review is not going to end your writing career. And that's what every single author that I've ever talked to is constantly obsessed with. They're like, no, this is going to ruin my ranking. It's going to affect my sales. No one's going to want to buy my one to three star. That is not true at all. And I'm going to ask you two a question. You can answer me honestly. When you go to buy a product on Amazon or, you know, check out a book or anything like that, Tell me that you do not honestly look at the one-star reviews first to see. Let me see what people griped about first before I decide on purchasing this. Oh, definitely. First thing, you go to the worst reviews, and then you go to the best reviews, and then you see that middle ground where you get a bit more honesty. But, oh, yeah, always. And it, exactly. and it never stops me. You know, unless, unless it's a, a lot of one-star reviews. If, like, all one-stars and then a five-star that looks like maybe there's the more. And <laughs> same for you, Rachel? No, I, I don't. I don't look at the reviews at all. Oh, I read okay. the blurb. And if it sounds interesting to me, I'll look at the ratings, like the average rating, but I don't look at the reviews. And if the blurb sounds interesting to me and it's in the genre that I really enjoy, I'll get it and I'll give it a shot. And if I'm iffy about it, I'll get it from the library. Okay. And then so. only after I finish reading the book, like if I'm really not enjoying it, I'll sometimes look at the reviews in the middle of reading it so that I'm like, am I the only one? <laughs> who thinks this. <laughs> but other than that, no, I don't pay the reviews any mind. That doesn't help me decide whether to buy a book or not. So either way, uh, as we've now all three of us agree on, the reviews ultimately do not deter you from purchasing a book. Yeah. So that's the one thing that I think most authors refuse to understand. And I think they refuse to understand because it's their ego that gets hit more than their actual sales. It's more of a, I can't believe someone told me that my writing wasn't magnificent. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I think any author who feels that hurt of their ego, that pride wounded that, you know, if they think it's going to affect their writing career, look at any books from Stephen King, Neil Gaiman, J.K. Rowling, George R. R. Martin, Jim Butcher. I guarantee each of these authors have at least one negative one-star review or multiple negative one-star reviews, and they're doing just fine. They're cashing in their checks and cashing in their royalties because at the end of the day, um, your audience will find you and they will read your books if they're good. Yeah. That's it. It's like if you if you look at 
like your favorite author, I, I will look at the one star reviews. I'm like, how do these people not realize how awesome this book is? What is wrong with these people? But obviously, to them, I'm probably the same when I write a one star review on a really popular book, and I'm like, I didn't get this tribe. It's, I just, I don't, the characters are really flat, and the story was pants, and what, what the hell was that, and all that. And so someone's posts out there like, what is this bitch? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really, you know, I I'm a part of this uh, Facebook group is like SPF for for authors or something like that, um, where they help kind of develop, you know, your your author publishing journey, and they it's a it's a group it's a Facebook group where you basically ask you know other authors for feedback on how to improve your blurbs, marketing, this and that, and one author came in, and she was like, I think I'm just gonna quit my writing career. Because I sent this free copy, this beta reader copy of my book to this reader, and she had the nerve to give me a three-star review. And I just, I'm, I'm just done. I'm done. This is, it's so rude. She should have given me a five-star review, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Shut up. If I could have banned you from the group for whining so much about a bad review, I would have gladly done so. That's just... That's not what you do. Even if you give your book away for free, do not expect someone to give you five-star reviews. You're asking for honest feedback, honest criticism. That's what you're going to get in return. And at the end of the day, if you have too many five-star reviews, people are going to look at your book and be like, hmm, that's suspicious. Why isn't there anyone saying that this book sucks? I've heard that with with Amazon, that if you only have five stars, it's almost like, I don't even think Amazon likes that because yeah. it has that feeling of, unless they're all ver- verified, but even then it can it kind of has that sense of like, are you just like paying people or are you getting people to buy exactly. and, and five stars? It gets like, suspicious. Least, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need that. You need that variety in ratings. It, it doesn't matter if it's one, two, three. If you don't have a variety in ratings and different people saying, um, you know, I didn't like this about the book or, you know, having criticisms, then people are just going to look at your reviews, your five-star reviews, your glowing reviews. And they're going to say, were all these purchased? Is this like friends and family? Did this guy just go out and, you know, say, Hey, I'll give you five bucks. If you leave me a positive review, like this is, this is too shady. Even my favorite author doesn't have um, a perfect streak of five-star reviews. So what's going on? And that's where, you'll run into more problems if you just have positive reviews. Yeah, that's true. There are actually, um, I'll, I help indie authors market their books. And when I reach out to book bloggers, if I come across someone who says, oh, I only publish my reviews if it's a four or five star review, I don't do anything lower than that, or they don't publish one or two star reviews, I stay the hell away from them because yeah. I'm like, that's not an honest review. If you, if you like the book that much, then great. But if you don't like it, you, you need to tell the author why. As Wilmar just said, it's all, it's all honest feedback. It's all honest criticism. Like, that's what we need. In order for us to grow as a writer, that's what we need. Exactly. And, you know, I think when, when, it, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you know, in regards to uh, reputation, author rank, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'd rather have a one-star review than no review because the thing that's really going to kill your writing career is obscurity, not bad reviews. 
That could be a quote. You could literally put that on a, on a you know, on social media as a quote. That's like, perfect. <laughs> can we just say, <laughs> who, who is complaining about a three-star review? Yeah, oh, like, gosh. Seriously. Yeah. There's been a few. Yeah, that's, I, you know, it was okay. Not I hated it or I didn't like it. It was, it was okay. Yeah. So what's, that's, that's all, someone trying to quit? Because like, geez, I thought, I mean, I, I have to admit, I, I do get very sensitive about things, so I've got pretty thin skin. Mm-hmm. But for I would I would not be whinging about a three star. But like, yes, three stars! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. It's average. And honestly, when I do look at the reviews of books, that's actually the reviews that I look at. I look at the three stars because I'm like, okay, I know you enjoyed the book, but tell me what you didn't like about it. I want to hear the good and the bad. Whereas the five-star reviews, you only hear about the positives and the one-star reviews, you only hear about the negatives. I want to see what you actually think about the whole thing. Right. And um, so I do, uh, occasionally I get solicited for, you know, book reviews and all that kind of stuff. I don't really have time to do too many book reviews. So um, uh, there are instances where I have left reviews and this one author um, I read his book. It was uh, science fiction, kind of a, you know, kind of like a, w- those catastrophe movies where something, you know, like monsters come and destroy stuff. So it had an interesting premise, but the writing, you know, it had the typical beginner author issues where it's like, oh, you're trying a little bit too hard with the prose. You're using vocabulary that isn't really necessary for this kind of a scene. And I left a three star review. And obviously the author was like, oh, why would you do that to me? It's a three-star review. I don't understand. Why, why are you saying these things? And I'm like, dude, it's a three-star review. That's a good thing. <laughs> like, um, there could be way worse. I could have given you a one-star and said, oh, blah, 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 blah. So what are you crying about a three-star for? Oh, it's going to affect my sales rank. And they're like, no, it's, it's not going to affect your sales rank. It's the blurb that's going to affect your sales rank. It's the fact that nobody knows that you exist that's going to affect your sales rank. It's not the review. Um, The only time I actually went back to edit a review, actually, there's two times, two times I've had to change reviews. One was for um, an erotica, right? You know, because an an author was like, hey, can you read this? I'm like, well, I don't care. I'll I'll read whatever. If it has a good story and good characters, I'll check it out. But I thought it was terrible. Um, And uh, when I left that one-star review, you know, it went into this whole like, oh, no, this is blah, blah, some kind of conspiracy. So I was like, all right, we're not even going to touch this. I'm just going to delete the review and we're going to pretend it never happened because I'm not dealing with um, the egos of authors that can't handle criticism. So I'm like, all right, we'll delete that. For the author that I gave the three star review to, I did look at my review again and I saw where the review maybe sounded a little too harsh. So I went back and edited it. And I changed the wording to be a little bit more softer in tone and to be more encouraging and be like, you know, I think this is just an issue of an inexperienced author, but as they get their stride, they're going to learn how to write better. And that's the only time I changed a review, but the rating remained the same because at the end of the day, when it came to the plot and the characters and all the other stuff, it still wasn't good enough to be four or five star reviews and they need to accept that because it's going to be part of their writing career and everyone's going to go through it. We've all been there and I've been there. I do understand why other authors don't always like reviewing books because there unfortunately are some 
let's be nice, assholes out there yep. who who will go out of their way to punish other writers. So like if you if you read someone's book because they asked you and you put an honest review and it wasn't what they wanted, I have heard of authors who've then attacked that writer and either put one star reviews on and, and it's like used it almost as a revenge thing. Now I know like things like Amazon have been trying to crack down on that. That's why they got rid of the anonymous um, reviewer option and they cracked down on sock puppets and all that, you know, all these fake accounts that people created, but obviously it is still in there. And it's frustrating that some, some writer hasn't got the maturity to right. acknowledge that someone can say something and have an opinion and you can just go, damn it, okay, and just move on. It's like, I'm gonna stew about this and then I'm gonna fixate on it for like two years and try and ruin this person's life. And it's like, you know what? You could be writing your other book. Right. There you go. <laughs> Put that energy somewhere else. Exactly. It's not, it's not gonna kill you. It hurts. It does sting. I remember when I did my beta read for my 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 current book that's out, the, A Bitter Winter. I did the beta read thinking, all right, I finally fixed everything that I did wrong with the first two books. I fixed my prose. I fixed my character development. I fixed my plot. We are ready to roll. The beta readers are going to love it. And the second I got the feedback, they were like, wow, this was so boring. I hated all these characters. This didn't make any sense. And I was like, <laughs> and I was so depressed. I was legit depressed that I spent all this time and effort thinking that I have crafted finally my masterpiece and the beta readers hated it. They absolutely hated it. And if it wasn't for my wonderful editor, Ellen Brock, who gave me all these videos and advice, um, I wouldn't have, I would have been like, all right, I'm canceling. I'm not, I'm not writing anymore, blah, 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 which is not true because if you're, if you're a writer, you're, you are possessed to write. It's not, it's not something you can control. It's, it's, it's an illness that we have to, you know, remedy by writing. Um, so I took my editor's feedback, um, and advice and consideration, and I just went back looked at all the critiques that my beta readers left for me. Cause you know, I asked for honest critiques and that's what I wanted. And, um, and I rewrote everything from scratch, which obviously, you know, you have this hundred thousand word book and I got to start again from scratch, which is always awful and it's never fun. But at the end of the day, once the beta readers got the new version, they were like, Oh, this is so much better. This is so great. I think Ari, I think you were even a part of the, the beta program. I, I don't remember if you were in for the first. No, I think I was in the in the, the later. I, I I don't remember being like this is crap. Yeah. I remember going, I really like this. I think yeah. that obviously there were things I did see, but overall I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So when you saw that, I'm like, wait, I know I was beta reading, but yeah, That's I think right. I came in after the later rounds. The yeah. later rounds after after I had I had already been gutted and beheaded. Aww. I reattached my head, and then we're like, all right, back to work. Well, I'm glad you did because I really enjoyed it. It was a really good book. And I am waiting for the second one. Yes, that's right. Still working on it. <laughs> You're working on your stuff. I'm working on mine. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have already answered this question in some sense throughout the episode so far. But do you have any tips for how a new author should deal with criticism as a whole? 
All right. So I did technically answer the question, but there was some further further advice I'd have. So we're not going to talk about how to take the review or any of that stuff because we've already covered that in depth. So if you haven't been paying attention to the podcast, you probably need to rewind and re-listen to what we just told you. But the most important thing you do need to do is now you've gotten your negative review. You cried about it. You read the critiques. You saw where you're weak. And the most important thing you're going to do next is write your next book. Because if you are concerned about your sales rank and you're concerned about whether you're going to do well, know that just if, if you manage to be one of those lucky few, that 0.5% that write one book that becomes a bestseller, that is not an author career. That is a title that you can put on your book that says New York Times bestseller. But that doesn't mean that you are going to be a successful author. It means you managed to make it to the New York Times bestseller because what's going to happen is when people are looking for you and they're like, all right, I got your New York Times bestseller. Where's the next book? And when you say, oh, I don't have one because I'm a New York Times bestseller. I don't need another one. That's a fallacy. One book is not going to make your career. One book, regardless of how well it sells, is not going to determine a successful career. You need to have multiple books. All of your favorite authors have multiple books. The only exception is um, the author from To Kill a Mockingbird. What's her name again? Harper Lee. Harper Lee, yes. The only exception was Harper Lee, who I think only wrote two books. Um, she's like, like the only author that I know of that managed to have some sort of success with two books. I don't, I don't really know too much about it. But in regards to everybody else, all the people, Stephen King, for instance, I mean, he's still churning out books and that dude is old. Like he's still working and he's collecting his paychecks because all he does is write more and more books. George R. R. Martin had a whole bunch of different books before Game of Thrones got picked up by HBO. So you really need to have a huge body of work so that people go to your backlist and they're like, all right, I want to read more from this author. If you're only one book with a New York Times bestseller, at the end of the day, that's going to peter out and you're just going to become a regular nobody because you only have one book. It's more important to have a huge library of books and that huge library of books, no matter how well you write them, are going to occasionally attract bad reviews. But your main focus, your top priority is to write the next book. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Coming from someone who has a bajillion ideas of books, but is still stuck on writing the first I, I agree with you. you. You really, you need to just keep churning out those books and it doesn't matter if you get one-star reviews or five-star reviews. You need to have, I don't know how to explain this, but you need to have that cushion. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. You just the sit upon list. your own throne of books that you've created. Like even though Ari hasn't finished her main novel, she, now she has her first two short stories. So that's already even... Even if it's a part of an anthology, that's still a part of the backlist. 
So you can include that in like box sets. You can be like, all right, this was included in an anthology. Now I've got my own two books. If you just want to buy them separately on their own and I'll include it with like a main story or I'll include it with this, or I'll include it as a, um, a newsletter freebie or something like that. So just having a library, a body of work where you're going to improve as an author is from quantity. Um, I know we all obsess over quality. We, and that's what I'm doing with my current book. That's why I'm still not done is that you're constantly obsessing over quality. Like, are these plot threads making sense? Are the, do these characters have depth? Uh, is, the, is the writing good? Like it, when I look at my own writing and I see that I'm in the rough draft phase where everything is super basic, like she ran across the wall or something like that. I get discouraged and I don't want to write. And I'm like, oh, God, this is terrible. But you push through it. You get it done. And then when you finally publish it, that's another book that at the end of your at the end of your novels, when you have to sell a person on another book, like, hey, check out these other books from author Wilmar Luna. Check out this uh, horror fantasy book or check out this sequel to The Silver Ninja or check out this side story, blah, blah, blah. When you have that backlist, people can just keep following the breadcrumb trail. And when they're paying money to purchase each of these books, that's what's going to build your author career. And that's how you're going to grow as an author to just get better and better from doing more. That's actually a really good point because whenever I read a book that I like, the first thing I do after I finish it is go to the front and see what other things they've written. And obviously the more you see, the more the name of the author stays in your head because you'll buy the next book or you'll buy the series, depending on if you're binge buying. And then as you go through, you're telling people about it. And that name is always at the front of your mind because it's like, oh, you've just got another book. You've just got another book. Oh my God, they brought out another series. Here it is. Exactly. So, so it just that keeps kind going. Of, yeah. Uh, I do remember I read once, uh, this was a long time ago, but it was saying before self-publishing that traditional publishers didn't used to think that an author had succeeded until they hit five books. Mm. And it was usually, if you want, if you were expected to make enough money on your novels to not have to do a normal job and you could just write as, a, as, a, as the job itself, you needed at least five books. That yeah. was what you expected. And, that, and I think there's so many people that are like, I'm going to write one book and it's going to make me a millionaire. And it's like, <laughs> no, just no. No. Because you think about it, you write the one book, right? And it becomes a bestseller and you make a lot of money from it. Um, let's say you do become a millionaire or you know, a, a 10 millionaire. Well, we're just going <laughs> to play with the numbers a little bit. At the end of the day, after you've bought maybe a nice house or in a new car and you pay all these bills, when people, um, once your book starts petering out and it loses its fire that it originally had, where does your income come from? Is it going to keep coming from that one book or is it going to come from the next book that's the sequel to the bestseller? Like, you know, you got to think of the long term plan, not just it, it's literally I think it really 100 percent is it's just ego. It's people that have hurt feelings or that want to feel like that bestseller status is going to make them into a somebody no it's just ego if you want to write you just need to have multiple books under your belt that's what's really going to determine a successful career for you i can tell from uh, my author friend uh 
K.S. Marsden. She writes the Shadow Hunter, uh, the Witch Hunter books and a few other books. And she has all these books now that are growing in a collection that I can see is now gaining some steam. And, you know, like you said, if you have five books, you can start becoming a successful author. So I'm starting to see that as she writes more books, she's getting more recognition. People are starting to recognize the stuff. Like, I think it has uh, a lot of potential to grow into something very, very positive for her. So I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Yeah, I do get her newsletters and I see, like, there's always like new book, the series. And it's like, it's, it's yeah. It's, and you do, the name names stay in your head. The yes. more you see these books and the more people talk about them. And obviously the more you have to share around for people to talk about them, you know? Yeah, and I get that newsletter and I'm like, how, how did you write another one? I don't, I don't understand. I'm still struggling on chapter on the third chapter 20 rewrite that I have. And I don't know how to get through it. It's like I'm sitting here listening to you speak and I'm like, I'm just if we need to have five books in order to be like really successful, which I do want to add everybody's definition of success is different. Yes. But if we're supposed to have like five books, then like I'm on year 10 of writing my first at this rate, I'm going to have five books at the age of 70. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> still something. It's still something. <laughs> the, the most important thing, I know it's off topic because it's not necessarily about one star review. It's yeah. finding the, the peace of mind to be able to write. I think right now, because of COVID, there's like a lot of distractions going on where we're just like in this zone where we'll you know, go on YouTube or maybe distract ourselves with video games or we'll basically do anything that isn't difficult mind work, which is, you know, writing because writing is extremely difficult. You got to use a lot of brain power, get all your creative energy flowing. And the second you get one distraction, like, oh, I got a new email. Oh, I got this. I got that. You don't want to write like it could be I'm in that mode where I'll write literally maybe five words and then I'll go see if there's another YouTube video that I can check out because it just gets so exhausting to put all your creative energy into writing. Once you figure out how to get yourself in a mental routine of discipline where you can be like at nine o'clock, I'm going to write this many words and I'm going to do this. Um, that's how you'll eventually just make progress to your novel, whether you just write five words a day, or you write 10,000 words a day, whatever your, whatever your goal is, as long as you hit just a little bit of uh, word count each day, and maybe even do exercises like free writing to get the blockage going, um, then you'll, you'll eventually see that your book will be done. And you'll finally be at a place where it's like, okay, I think I'm, I can finally publish this after putting in even just, you know, five words a day or something like that. Yeah, that's really good advice. My, my sister and I, the two of us write similarly, but totally different at the same time. She'll set a timer and say, okay, let's see how many words I can write in 10 minutes. Meanwhile, I look at the clock and I'm like, I'm going to write this many words in 10 minutes. And it doesn't work. 
more often no it does work okay it does work. yeah most often than not it it does work and then at that point i'm always like okay if i write x amount of words then i can go get another cup of coffee (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) it's really it's really just developing you know your quote-unquote workout routine because you know we don't like to exercise i mean i don't exercise i i but that's just the best analogy i could think of where it's like you really got to get yourself into a mental space where it's like okay i i gotta get at least this much done so that way i can have this done by this date and um, getting rid of all the distractions to get to that point super difficult oh yeah it's so hard <laughs> Um, I think we've covered all that we can in this week's episode. So before we officially wrap up, Wilmar, would you like to share a little something about yourself with our listeners? All right. Well, uh, like again, my name is Wilmar Luna. I can be found at www.thesilverninja.com. I'm currently working on my next book, which is called Narco Hotel. In this story, the Silver Ninja is going to be battling against Mexican cartels who are trying to take over New York City and turn it into the next Juarez, Mexico. If you want to find out when it's going to come out, you can sign up for my newsletter at www.thesilverninja.com forward slash newsletter. And I'll send you an email when it's available for purchase. Awesome. All of Wilmar's links will be in the description below. So please go give him some love. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Do let us know how you deal with one-star reviews on your books in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag TheMerryWriterPodcast. And if you want to get some extra content, you can head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash TheMerryWriterPodcast. You can support our show, and for as little as $1 a month, you can get bonus content, including mini-episodes. Tune in next week for another episode of The Merry Writer Podcast, where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Shiny Objects. We're easily distracted. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.